Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we are doing things a little different. We are going to run through our at-home and on-the-road segments and talk Cleveland and national sports news from the last week. Then we are going to live pod the 2021 NBA dunk contest. This will be our first time trying something like this, so we may make magic or we may make some terrible radio, but we are going to have a good time either way. I'm joined for this new adventure by two of the best ever. Phil Denko is here. Hey, Gerbs, how you doing? I'm good, man. Smiling Chuck Rambaldo is here as well. Good evening, Gerbs. How's it going? Just fine, buddy. Phil, let's start with you tonight. During the Middle Ages, you could walk through markets and see the interesting sight of women wearing tall, pointy hats standing in front of big cauldrons. These women were the beer brewers in their time. They wore the tall, pointy hats so that their customers could see them in the crowded marketplace. They transported their beer in the cauldrons. But when the Inquisition started, these women were accused of, you guessed it, being witches and were driven, or worse, from the industry. So, Phil, what's your position on witches making beer? Oh, the witches brew, man. I, I'm down with that. Sounds good. I think that sounds like a potential uh, magical concoction right there. I mean, if you're, if you're going to brew something, why not, uh, why not it be from a witch, right? That's what I always say. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, let's go ahead and get started on segment one we'll, and start by talking about some more spring training stuff from the Cleveland Indians and I'd like to hit a couple of topics that I know are near and dear to Terry Francona's heart, the bullpen and utility infielders. So we know in the bullpen for the last few years, and I think it'll be the same this year, the tribe is going to carry eight guys out there. And right now, our eight-man bullpen includes Oliver Perez, who is 63 years old and originally broke into the majors in 1984. Anthony Ghost, who originally made it into the bigs as an outfielder, but now can throw 100 miles an hour off the mound. James Karinchek, who opened an inning during a game this week by throwing nine straight balls. And then when he finally threw a strike, he gave up a double steal on the same pitch. Brian Shaw, that's great news if it's 2015. And Heath Hembry, who has a stupid first name and a stupid last name, but he was undefeated last year with a 9.00 ERA. So this team has been great for several years at building bullpens. Chuck, do you think they're doing it again this year? I mean, maybe not on all those names. The only guy I'm excited about is the former outfielder because I got to see him last year. And it's always fun to see somebody throw over 100 miles an hour. But other than that, yeah, it sounds like it's just like piecemealed and Shaw's back and a really old guy here and there. So I don't, I don't think it's going to be the strength of the pitching staff would be out of the bullpen. I'm not excited. What about you, Phil? We saw Karen check a bit last year and there there were times where he looked like oh this this guy is certainly set up guy material or potential closer material you know he had a pretty good run there for a while and then kind of lost it towards the end of the season sounds like he hasn't found it yet again and then what's his name that was suspended for peds emmanuel classe yep that kid is another guy that hits triple digits all the time he's Super young, raw talent. He just has to uh, develop some command. But, you know, between Karen Check and Classe, so it, it could be exciting. You know, you might get guys going out there that throw over 100 miles an hour. If they can start locating pitches, maybe not a bad setup and closer, uh, either or, whichever order you want to put those guys in. But it doesn't leave me with a whole lot of confidence going into the season with the list you just rattled off. And to be fair, I picked the worst guys I could 
out of the group. <laughs> so yeah, I think that Karen check and Klasse are probably going to be the guys at the end of the game. And we run into some of the same issues that we've talked about on some of the other positions. You're just relying on some young guys to pick up a really important part of the game and to do it well in order to be successful. That's going to be tough. I'm not sure what I think about our middle relief. And so Phil, how do you think those question marks in the middle of the game are going to affect the starting rotation? Well, uh, if you're not getting good innings out of your bullpen, I would imagine there will be some inclination to stretch the starters out longer at times, you know, maybe in an inning where someone like Bieber or McKenzie or someone's out there and shouldn't be anymore, maybe a little hesitant to go to the bullpen. But uh, the other part of that is, and we discussed this with our starters, they're going to, they're going to find their four to five man rotation. And that's probably going to kick one or two of these 25 year old starters into the bullpen, be it a, a Cal control, the guy we got um, in a trade last year. So some young up and coming starters might fortify the, the long relief, so to speak, part of the bullpen. I don't know. Again, we're, we're really relying on a lot of guys between the age of 25 and 27, I think. What do you think, Chucky? Almost exactly what Phil's saying. You hope like those guys, you don't make the starting rotation fill in and do a nice job in long relief or, or middle relief. I think of the last three weeks talking about the Indians and it's like, man, well, where are they going to manufacture runs? <laughs> man, well, who's going to hit in the outfield? And man, well, how's our pitching staff going to do with starters? And now we're on to the, the, the relief pitching. And all it leads me to think is like, um, man, this isn't, this might not be that fun of a season for tribe fans. I, it's such a question mark. Almost everything we talk about every week in and week out, there's nothing I feel super good about except defense. We talked about that last week and I thought, yeah. hey, they'll be pretty good defensively. <laughs> And so we keep having these conversations, but I'll tell you what, the the majority of the stuff that I read and listen to still has them contending this year. You know, going to be battling either the Twins or the White Sox for second place in the division. Well, why do people still think they're going to be good if we can't find anything good about this team? I'm going to take a, a more positive approach to this. Maybe the age is a positive thing. You know, you've got a team full of 25 to 26 year old up and coming baseball players. We're not used to that in Cleveland. We've usually had some from pretty old guys up and down the roster, uh, you know, in recent years anyway. Uh, and, and maybe they're hungry. You know, maybe it's the the Browns versus the Chiefs argument. You know, you stay hungry, get out there and uh, <laughs> play hard. And, and who knows, like if it goes well enough and the people that are looking at this team must understand the talent that the Indians are about to field out there. If it goes well enough, you've got good players all coming up together. All of a sudden you've got, you know, let's say they find four or five guys like, okay, this is our nucleus. And all four or five of those guys might be in their twenties still. That bodes well uh, for next year when hopefully we go from a $60 million payroll to maybe 90 or a hundred and compete. I agree with Chuck, like everything we bring up, we're like, oh man, like this doesn't, this doesn't seem good um, except for defense, but maybe the youth is on our side and that's helpful in a long season. Chuck, what do you think we're missing that baseball experts might be seeing in this team? it's a little bit of everything other than that we in maybe a weaker division that that's why there's some optimism and i'm not trying to shit all over the indians chances or you know the twins are a pretty solid team the white Sox people think are going to be a solid team but i, I don't know it just maybe it's this, the whole surrounding offseason the name change is coming and all it just doesn't it doesn't feel to me like baseball should be starting all that soon i don't have spring fever or anything yet for this yeah. team so i i guess i'm being more pessimistic than phil is 
all that there's nothing to be much excited about we we lost the face of the franchise and let's see what happens i guess i think what you're saying is that the baseball experts are wrong and and we're right that's, that's what i'm getting from, from what you just <laughs> yeah, that's said what i was getting at yes <laughs> indeed all right well let's move on to a topic that is i'm sure a really big deal to us but probably doesn't matter to almost any of our listeners we know that francona loves guys that play multiple positions especially in the infield. There's always at least a guy or two like that who sticks with the team all season long and will play some third base, will play some shortstop, will play some second base at various times during the season and during games. So I've got a couple names here from some of the guys who are kind of kicking around spring training who might fill that role. First guy is Gabriel Arias. He's a shortstop. He was five for five in his first game this week and then one for two with a home run on Saturday. Next guy is Yu Chang, who hit well in the extended spring training last year, had two home runs in a game against the Mariners this week. Mike Freeman, who was not on the team last year, but was this kind of utility guy for the team in 19. You know what you get with him. He's a good defensive player. He's going to hit you about 270. If they're going to have eight guys in the bullpen, which I think is pretty certain to happen, then it's one or two of these guys who might make it into this utility role. Phil, who do you think it's going to be? Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see the young guys on the team, but quite honestly, since there's going to be a minor league season this year, you might be better off going with a, a guy like Mike Freeman because he's a utility guy. He's a seasoned vet. Keep him on the bench. We could use him in spots as opposed to like a Yu Chang or an Arias. If, if they're kind of part of this next wave of talent, you'd rather them be down in the minors getting at bats and, and playing, I would think, rather than sitting on the bench for whenever we need a utility infielder. They're probably better skilled players than Freeman. But like you said, if we're going to carry eight guys in the bullpen, we're going to have one one or two bench guys. So probably mm -hmm. Freeman, maybe Yu Chang. What about you, Chuck? I think it's the same. I think Freeman's locked and then probably Yu Chang. Like Phil saying, the dynamic that there is going to be a minor league season uh, and some of those guys need more bats than maybe Yu Chang will or, or Freeman. So I think those are the two that break out and stick. I think Arias and Yu Chang both have more minor league time that the Indians could use. So they could send both of those guys back and not have to put them on waivers or leave them out there for somebody to pick up. I think that may mean it's Freeman because they know that we can sign Freeman relatively cheap for one season, let him fill the role. And then these other guys, we can keep them in the minors and they've got big plans for Yu Chang. Like they were, they were impressed the way that he handled himself last season has apparently started off hitting well this year in, in the spring. So he, he might be a guy maybe later in the year when the roster expands or something they bring back up if he's not there the entire time. All right. That's probably enough time to talk about utility infielders who may be play, playing the bench. <laughs> you know what? It's an important part. And it's, you know, Francona loves it. You know that he wants his, these guys around. This is in-depth tribe coverage. You can't get this just yeah. anywhere. There, there are no other podcasts right now talking about utility no. infielders no. for the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> All right, let's move away from baseball and talk about the biggest news in the Cleveland Browns upcoming season that came up this past week. And it doesn't have anything to do with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Big Ben is coming back for another season as a starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I looked this up and I had to look it up twice because it kind of shocked me, but he is 24, two and one 
in his career against the Browns. That's an absurd winning percentage. I don't even know what it is. But despite that, I'm still excited to hear he's coming back. So Chucky, am I right or wrong to be excited that Big Ben is going to be the Steelers quarterback next year? I think you're right to be excited. Um, and probably for all the right reasons. It's not that I don't think he can't play anymore. You know, living in Pennsylvania, uh, you would have thought this year that he was Brandon Whedon with Steeler fans. Like they, like yeah. you know, how they turned on him this year when you beat a team that many times and up until this year i think this is i'm pretty sure i'm correct in saying that he was the winningest quarterback in first energy stadium history yeah Yeah. ben roethlisberger (laughs) his career is on the decline that's why i think you should be excited but i I still think he's going to be a good enough quarterback especially if they keep most of those weapons if they can you know they're still going to be the steelers they're not going to suck they never suck what do you think the whitney rambaldo take is on big ben coming back she would be happy because I believe he's been quarterback for almost all, if not, you know, most of her life. Uh, so she's unaware that she's changed quarterbacks. Yeah, so she's quarterbacks. one quarterback her whole um, life. Pretty much, yeah. So um, I think she, she'd be excited because her first question would be, well, who, who else would start if, if he didn't resign or restructure his deal? Who would be our quarterback? Because she speaks that way, are and not there. I think she's happy. She'll be happy, yeah. Phil, what do you think it means for the division as a whole? I have the Steelers uh, squarely in the third place position. I, I think it's a Cleveland-Baltimore division to be had, depending on which team goes out there and, and puts it all together next year. I, I think, you know, Roethlisberger's been good for so long, and the, the re-signing, that, that helps. They don't have to look for a new quarterback right away, but lost in some of that is they're, they're losing a chunk of their offensive line. They're losing their running backs they, they really i don't know and i feel like a, an immobile roethlisberger is a great target for our defensive line so i'm all about the uh signing of roethlisberger to to help the browns and then i think the division goes baltimore and or cleveland pittsburgh then cincinnati i agree with both of you i don't think he's going to be awful i don't think the steelers will be awful but i i think at this point they're probably a step or two below where the browns and the ravens are at and maybe not that much better than the bengals if burrow comes back he may play yeah. really well for Cincinnati again, and they'll have another another year of that team together, and hopefully, at least hopefully for them, improving. All right, fellas. Well, hey, thanks for hitting some of those Cleveland topics with me. Why don't we take our first break, and we'll uh, head out on the road. Unprofessional and unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor, NBA Top Shot, the industry leader in blockchain collectibles is expanding its collection and looking for new contributors with Regular Guy Top Shot. Now your day-to-day can become a valuable collectible. All you need is a cell phone video and our crypto tech. Lower the hoop to six feet and posterize your 10-year-old? That could be a collectible an investor might pay millions for. Just turn your 11-year-old daughter's weak cheese into a towering backyard wiffle ball bomb, hit submit, and watch the cash roll in. Smoked your five-year-old in a race from the car to the house while yelling Usain Bolt? Can you say instant classic? Regular guy Top Shot isn't even limited to sports. The next time someone asks you to open a pickle jar, record, submit, and watch as your old man's strength becomes a permanent highlight. Wife needs something from the tall cabinet? Let America see and bid on your impressive reach. Hop on the blockchain collectible train carefully so you don't turn an ankle today. Submit your everyday highlights to Regular Guy Top Shot. All right, welcome back, fellas. Let's go on the road for our second segment, and we'll stay in Major League Baseball and talk some more spring training news. 
Trevor Bauer had an interesting outing this week where he pitched an inning with one eye closed. His explanation for doing it was, I like making myself uncomfortable and throwing different stuff my way and trying to find a solution for it. I think that's how you improve. Find a way to make yourself uncomfortable and get comfortable with it and then do it again. So Chuck, how many more innings do you think Trevor Bauer is going to throw this year with one eye shut? Uh, zero would be my guess because it's got national attention. And don't you think at some point his manager, his pitching coach after spring training, maybe he gets another half inning with one eye closed. But <laughs> I, 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 he's such an oddball, but I really like him. Like I saw his interview today and he's funny. Uh, he could be a dick, but I, I think it's hilarious. Like it's spring training. This guy obviously signed a huge contract. There's a lot of pressure I would assume on him to perform really well. And he's out there throwing with one eye close like what's not to like about that it's great phil do you think any batters are going to pick this up and try to start hitting with one eye closed no i, I can't <laughs> imagine that's going to happen uh, I, I can't think of a batter that i would say who's the trevor bauer on the other side of the game right like who is the offensive version of trevor bauer trevor bauer is such yeah a, that's a good point a, a crazy dude and in, in good ways though um I love that he did this. I, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> um, I, I guess it's part of his training regimen as well. Like when he's pitching in the bullpen, he's doing bullpen sessions, he'll close one eye to, to improve his location of pitches. Clearly not a great plan in the midst of an actual game because someone's going to hit the ball right back at you potentially. <laughs> but, you know, it's spring training. He's having some fun. It's Trevor Bauer. I, I thought it was fantastic. Being that it's Trevor Bauer, I'm kind of hopeful that he gets on like a rough slide in the season and all of a sudden he, he pulls that yeah. back out of the toolbox that would be hilarious it's gonna make watching his starts a lot more interesting uh, i love trevor bauer too man i think he's a weird dude he's outside the box but you know he entertains me moving on a little bit we've got shohei otani with the california angels is back to being a two-way player this year and he was throwing in the high 90s in a start that he had this week and i think he had a couple hits in a game that he played where he was uh, in the field and hitting. Phil, do you think this guy can really play two ways at the major league level? I think he he's probably, well, not probably, he is definitely skilled enough to do it. I just wonder at what point does the team pull back and say, listen, you know, when he's not pitching, he's playing in the field and he's getting it at bats, it's wearing him down. And then his pitching suffers. Um, is that the side of it that goes? So he just focuses on pitching at the, the big league level, or is it, all right, he's really not dominating like they thought he would from the mound. So let's just throw him out there and play every day. At some point, they're going to be forced to make that decision. But from a skill set, I, I think, I think he can do it. It looks like he can do it. Yeah. It seems like at some point he's got to choose to to go one or the other. Chuck, you were a two-way player in high school. You played third base and you pitched. What was the biggest challenge for you? And how do you compare yourself to Shohei Otani? Not giving up hits because I was playing behind him. <laughs> well, I don't think I was ever uh, nearly as talented as Otani. Oh, uh, don't say there, that, there Chuck. That's I mean, just... Yeah, right. Uh, but, you know, like, I, if I can remember correctly back then, like, it wasn't it wasn't that big of a deal, right? You know, we were 17 or 18, unbelievable amounts of energy. Uh, I played third base, so maybe I threw the ball the first two or three times a game, and I only pitched occasionally, and it was usually in, in relief. So I don't think me and him have all that much in common, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> Sandy Elderson, the GM for the New York Mets was quoted earlier this week talking about some of his players and saying some of our players aren't defensive geniuses. 
Chuck, if you're a player on the Mets who might not be a defensive genius, what do you think about that? <laughs> it's a hell of a way to start a very optimistic season for that franchise. I'm trying to think back, like in, in my career, did I ever have a coach that just outright told us in a weird way that you suck defensively or you suck at hitting <laughs> or you suck at pitching? Uh, so it would piss me off just a little bit. I don't think it's a good way to fire up anybody. Maybe I'm just from a different coaching or general managing mindset. It's never good to cut down on players, especially know professional ones that make millions of dollars that are supposed to turn around the franchise this year and i like to try to take these things out of the sports context and put them into a real life context and i felt like this would be like my my boss telling me jason you're a pretty good lawyer but you're not very good at talking to the judge oh gosh that that's not a really nice thing to say or burke is you know tom you're a great guy but math is not your strong suit which would be kind of a, a pretty big shot at him in his industry and i couldn't think of one for you denko what would it be for your job oh that's that's a good one um it just maybe the opposite of yours you're, you're really good with people but you're 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 not very good at you know getting them through their injuries or something like that. Like it's like that's that would be problematic. This GM, like, what is he basing that on? Like, what is he what is he evaluating on the defensive side of the ball? Where it's like, oh, these guys are idiots. Like, what's he yeah. watching? Like, what's it's such a weird there? way to say yeah. it, right? They're not defensive yeah. geniuses. Like, they don't know yeah. to work from the ground up or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> what part of it are they missing? <laughs> I wonder how Lindor took that. He's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. So, Chucky, big news moving on from that in the golf world today because your boy had a big day arnold palmer oh, wow. invitational yeah. was today down in bay hill it's a pretty fun tournament uh they had three different guys during this week that hit holes in one that's pretty cool and that and that's not an easy course it's a tough course they had fans back for the tournament which is really cool it was a smaller group of fans but it was an interesting group of fans if you were watching today you heard them, somebody in the crowd several times yelling out mashed potato as soon as somebody hit a drive. Uh, and so somehow the fans they brought back were the Happy Gilmore fans. Yeah. Um, but your boy, uh, your boy DeChambeau was in the final group today. So he was in the lead after 54 holes or tied for the lead, I think. Early on in the round, he was showing power to all fields, which is not a good place to be on the golf course. But he did almost drive a 522-yard par five he hit a seven iron 220 yards uphill into the wind and apparently he can sign his name backwards so now i know i hate him it was an interesting round to watch because he was playing with lee westwood who's an older guy with a really kind of graceful smooth swing which is not at all what DeChambeau is doing. But it's so fun to watch DeChambeau play because you're you're so used to seeing golfers try to go fairway to green putt win tournaments. DeChambeau is all over the place. He's going to shoot it to the right, then he's going to shoot it to the left, but somehow he's still keeping himself in a position to make putts, make birdies, and and win tournaments. And I think, Chuck, the last guy I can think of that we saw like this was a really young John Daly. But fans loved John Daly, and I think most people think of DeChambeau the way that I do or you do. So why do you think he's not getting the same type of love that Daly got? Daly was, he was, at that time at least, so far out there that he got a lot of coverage from the way he looked to the way he ate to the way he drank uh, you knew everything about him i don't really know maybe because i don't follow because i hate the guy's face so much d shambo <laughs> or whatever um I, I don't know if he has you think the, the, the face is what matters like daily was just well, a better just looking guy face. yeah <laughs> no i don't think that's it at all though that's that's not it but i did see is the, the long drive today did he do that over water he did 
Did he hit yeah. it over water? Okay, so I yeah. was I saw like a, a fan who was at the tee box recording it on his cell phone, and it was the walk up to the tee. And for a second, I'm like, maybe I'm gonna start liking this guy because they were yelling at him to go for it, you know, to go over yeah. the water. Yeah. And he was acknowledging them. You know, he wasn't like in this zone or anything. And then you see him just plaster the drive. You can't see the ball because it's off a cell phone, but after he was done, like he turned towards them and was pumping his fist. I'm like, maybe this guy's more likable than I think, but I no. Then I thought about it. I'm like, nah, fuck him. I still hate it. Compared to daily, it, the, the sport was so much more stuffy back then that maybe that's why he got so much more coverage than this dude does. Phil, who do you think did more for bringing back driving hats? Peaky Blinders or DeChambeau? Wow. Uh, that's that's a really hard-hitting question. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess who did more for it. Uh, I'll go with Peaky Blinders just out of pure volume because it's like nine out of every 10 males in that show. That's <laughs> one on. But I guess in terms of reaching the masses, uh, DeChambeau is probably going to take the lead here as he continues his career. Are you guys going to go out and buy DeChambeau driving hats? No. Chuck? Never. Never? Never. No, never, never, ever. <laughs> never going to happen. No, no. I think I, well, I think I tried one on like in the last 10 years and I looked like a complete idiot. So I think I'm just going to stick to a normal 47 brand uh, kind of nice fitted hat. Probably a good idea. All right, let's move on. And we're getting close to the to the dunk contest here. Let's hit real quick. Tommy Burke's weight loss. I texted with him today. He's down 31 and a half now. So he only had a pound and a half this week, but he is aggressively picking up his parkour game. So you might see him some downtown if, if you happen to be there, hopping <laughs> off of buildings and stuff. So he's a couple months into this now, and we know that he's really, really busy at work. So I think that's taking away some some time where he would normally be a little bit more active. You guys have any advice for him, you know, some encouragement, whatever, to keep him motivated and to get through these patches where the numbers might not be exactly what he wants them to be. If he is exercising when he can, uh, especially through parkour, don't wear the Punisher shirt. That may be taken the wrong way by law enforcement. Um, <laughs> but, but beyond beyond that, I think, you know, uh, any kind of activity, you know, you get 15, 20 minutes of exercise in here or there throughout the day. And the pushups are probably helping him do that a little bit. If he can get a little bit more exercise in, uh, I, I think he has a he has a bike in his basement. So maybe the laptop and the bike combo can allow him to continue to work while. Uh, oh, I love it. You That's know, good. Sweating to the oldies or something. I That's good. <laughs> what about you, Chucky? I would just tell him, man, you know, like keep grinding. He's still, it's still whatever, whatever it is. If it's a two pounds or a pound and a half, uh, it's, it's still progress. Just keep going. I know he said, like, obviously that's why I'm pinch it and I like he's, he's swamped with work and all that kind of stuff, but here or there, just keep, keep doing it, keep pushing. And I'll keep doing the same with my 125 pushups in support daily. It's been amazing that he's actually had a positive, a positive weight loss every week, every week. Yeah. Because typically, and he, this may be in his future, there's going to be some weeks where there isn't any weight loss, but that doesn't mean that he's not getting in better shape that week still, you know, in all seriousness to keep him motivating. Like Chuck said, just keep, just keep at it. Just keep chopping that wood. Yep. And you don't look back at it after a while, week to week, you look back at it like, all right, three months ago, where was I six months ago? Where right. was I? So yeah, keep it up, man. I agree with you, Chucky, that it's just, you just got to keep grinding. Like it's not easy to, to lose the kind of weight that he's trying to lose. And you can't get down when, you know, one week doesn't go the way you want it to. You just got to keep working at it, working and working at it, knowing that what you're doing is, 
is going to be making you healthier and, and, and going to be making it better. Keep up the good work, Tommy. And guys, we're going to take one last final break, and then we're going to start our first ever live pod of a sporting event. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor. Hey there, my name is Mickey Calloway, but you can call me the Mick. You may not believe this, but right now I'm available to coach your Little League baseball team. That's right, me, the Mick, experienced Major League pitching coach, manager, and apparently unabashed dirtbag. I have time on my hands while Major League Baseball investigates multiple allegations of me spitting game at female professionals who were just doing their jobs and had no interest in me. But remember, I'm the guy that figured out Ubaldo Jimenez. I'm also the guy accused of sexually harassing about a dozen women. Hey, don't forget, I was also the manager of the New York Mets. And I had an affair during spring training once, and the lady's husband called the team to complain. Now I'm home on my couch, and I'm getting the vibe my wife really doesn't want me around. So, my possible career ending moronic in the Me Too era, and classless behavior is your team's opportunity. I will get your little leaguers ready to pitch and play like big leaguers on the field, and I promise not to talk to them at all about how to act off the field. So, are you ready for some Mick? It's not just my favorite line, it's also my website. Visit areyoureadyforsomemick.com and click on the Hire the Mick tab to schedule your team's first workout. But, for all of our sakes, let's keep the moms at least 200 feet from the field during practices. All right, fellas, welcome back, and it is time to live pod the 2021 NBA Slam Dunk Contest. Just before we get started, let's go through the rules really quick because it's going to be different than any other dunk contest we've ever seen. Uh, There are only three participants. They'll each get two dunks in the first round. And this is the part that I love the most about the rules. And I don't know if this is always the way it's been or if it's just for this one, but dunks will be graded on a scale of six to ten, not one to ten. Not five to ten. For some reason, they're grading it on a six to ten. I love. They listen to the pod. Yeah, uh, the two highest scoring participants move on to round two. They each get one dunk. Uh, the judges will determine a winner by raising a card with the winner's name on it. Uh, this year's participants, Anthony Simmons, who did not go to college, went straight into the draft in 2018. He was selected by Portland. Cassius Stanley, who played at Duke, so we know we hate him. He was drafted in 2020 <laughs> by the Pacers. And I know for sure Obi Toppin played for the illustrious University of Dayton Flyers. He was drafted in 2020. Toppin is actually the oldest player competing in this slam dunk contest because he was born in 1998, and the other two guys were born in 1999. And I know we're not supposed to blame our age age for any of this stuff, but uh, <laughs> let's keep in mind that two of these guys participating were born the same year we graduated from college. Phil, who you got? Obi Toppin, baby. Chucky? I'm going to just support Phil and say Obi Toppin as well. I appreciate that. That's obviously, I'm, I'm making this decision with my heart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to go... With Cassius Stanley, because that sounds like a cool name, even though he played at Duke. We'll see what happens. Looks like they're getting ready to get started, and we're going to dive in here in a minute with the first dunk. Oh, I like it. Who are going to be our judges this year? Spud Webb. Spud Webb. D. Brown, Josh Smith. All right. Spud looks good. Spud Spud looks good. 1986 champion. He looks a little bit like Cedric the Entertainer. (laughs) Yes. D. Brown. D. Brown looks like he could still play. Why is Josh Smith on here? He played the he NBA. Won, apparently, he oh. won the 2005 dunk contest. 2005. I like those gold chains, though. Those chains look nice. Yeah, that's the butler from Fresh Prince. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jeff. Jeffrey. Jeffrey. <laughs> 
I didn't know Jeffrey won the dunk contest. That's pretty cool. That is awesome. And they put put Neek in the middle. Look at Neek, man. Oh, man. Yeah. So great. I mean, it's obvious, right, that the best dunk contest ever is Neek and Jordan, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, nothing better than that one. They don't even take that caliber of player, right? Like, they, you know, then I don't even know who. It'd be like Giannis and LeBron going at it. <laughs> yeah. You know? like, yeah. Basically, yeah. Uh, when they first did the dunk contest, it wasn't associated with an all-star game at all. And it took place throughout the course of the entire season. And really? so you had different like venues where they would stop and like they would they would do their dunks and stuff like that. And like Kareem was in it. And some guy I've never heard of wow. from the Denver Nuggets won it. That was like the 76-77 season. I think a year or two later they had the first one and Larry Nance won it. Yeah, Larry Nance. That that sounds like something right out of the two balls. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Will Ferrell was third yeah. in that dunk contest. Yeah. They released a they released a bear at halftime. Time to dunk. <laughs> oh man! All right. So which guy is this? No, it's nobody yet. We still got to listen to. I got I got nobody. the diesel on my screen right now. Yeah, yeah. All right, me too. <laughs> so you guys know how much I love things from 1991, right? Do you remember who won the dunk contest in 1991? No. Oof. 1991. I'm going to say Cedric Sabalos. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> no, I think he was he was hey. way later than that. I don't that name 90, just popped into my head. <laughs> 91 was D Brown. Was it D Brown? It was. And that was, that was D the, Brown. That was when he 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 covered his eyes. Yep. Yeah. Pumped his shoes and stuff like that. You know who he beat? Cedric Sabalos. Wow. <laughs> no. No, it's even more shocking. He beat Sean Kemp. Oh, no way. Yeah. He beats on Kemp now. I would be really impressed if you could name who finished third and do it quick because we're about to have our first dunk. Cedric Sabalos. <laughs> Rex Chapman finished oh, yeah. third that year. Rex Chapman. Oh. That's when he threw. I can remember that dunk. Oh. He threw it behind his back. I thought it was. All right. So Cassius just went between the legs. That was pretty nice. That's Obi's uh, not impressed. Look at Obi. Look at him. He's like, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's, that's great. <laughs> so what do you think? Is that getting like a 44? Man. Scale of six to ten. That's yeah. a seven. And there's there's five judges, so it's at a thirty-five. I bet it gets a forty. I don't know. He's he's kind of a shorter guy, so he's got that. Yeah, and his head was above the rim. That was pretty sick. Definitely yeah, look at that. Strength shoot. Is he left-handed? I mean, he threw it with the left too. Yeah. So if, I guess it's more impressive if he's right-handed. For our listeners at home, we should have a, a play-by-play uh, invite to this pod. <laughs> this is gonna really. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, nines and eights. Calm down, oh, everybody. Oh, oh, 44 God. is exactly oh. what I said, though, right? Yeah, uh. yeah. nice job. <laughs> that's a little too high, I think. If that's a, if that's a nine and an eight... I, I think, he, and he wants he wants a fifty. Get out of here. Yeah, he, he does. He does benefit from being like a guard, of it, right? I mean, there is always that. Like, yeah. Now right. Obi's up, and he's six nine, so he better do something pretty spectacular. <laughs> yeah. Was he was he a big dunker with with UD? Oh yeah. Yeah, he only played two seasons with UD, was freshman of the year one year, and then Naismith player of the year the next. And he, I think he has the most dunks in UD history. <laughs> but the problem, like, like he's hey. so long and explosive. Uh, I like that. So he slams the ball on the ground, then catches it back on the way up and, and puts it in like a reverse. That's pretty good. Is that guy standing next to him right now? <laughs> <laughs> No wonder he got a 44. He's like three feet tall. <laughs> also, he bounced I mean, it through his something I've never seen. Did he oh, bounce it through his, through his legs and then went up and did a reverse? That's yeah. now see, I so think he slow. loses some of it because it, it happened so fast. I was about to say in slow-mo, that's a better dunk than the first one, but in real speed, it was so fast. It was like, yeah. All right. 
Oh, nines and tens. I would hope it'd be like a 40. Nines and tens. Yeah. Well, it should have been definitely, should have been better than than Cassius's first. There's no doubt about that. Now, Anthony's up. Yeah, should be. What do you you think of, uh, what do you think of Obi's shoes, Chucky? This kind of like lime green thing he's got. I hope they, yeah, I hope they glow in the dark, to be honest. They look like they. (laughs) Do you think that's something he's going to ask him to like turn the lights down and he's going to dunk with glow in the dark shoes? Yeah, those do. I mean, it has been like... a few years since <laughs> since they've had those kind of like. What is so he name? brings what? out a car or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, what's going on, on here? What? This guy's put a Nerf hoop above the. What is happening? Oh, oh. don't mention Nerf hoop with me and Gerber. <laughs> 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 you don't want to mess with Jason Gerber, man. I was always telling people that in high school. You end up on the ground bleeding. <laughs> no. No on my bedroom to, carpet. No better way to celebrate a victory than breaking your friend's nose. That's, that's what I always say. <laughs> always. was a real, oh! really intense. I mean, that's whatever. Oh, that's cool that he can get up that high. Yeah, um, but that's, I mean, that's impressive, right? He just he yeah, picked the ball off the top of the, the top part of the backboard. But I mean, actually, it's only halfway up the backboard. All right, I'm not impressed anymore. <laughs> well, he's not, above yeah, the, he's above the square. He's up there. He needed it. a little bit more power. I think would have made that better. He just kind of like lays it in. You know how they should do this. They should make it like horse where the, everyone has to do the same duck. Like if like he does that, then the next two guys can up it. Say, oh, right, I put like mine that. higher. I like, like that. Obi could step up and say, all right, mark mine up another eight inches. And I'm going to do the same thing, which yeah. should give me a better score. Right. And then the three foot guy is just nines right. and tens for that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Not, that seems yeah. That seems too high. I'm pretty sure too in one that. early dunk contest, Clyde Drexler dunked on an 11-foot hoop, and yeah. that was an impressive dunk. Yeah. This, was that was Clyde? That, I thought that was – um, I thought it was Clyde did it. I thought it was the the center who was so good, whose name is escaping me right now. Um, oh, uh, Played uh, for Dwight, Orlando. Dwight Howard. Yeah, Dwight, Dwight Howard. Howard. I thought he did that. He did it with a cape on. Yeah, I just don't think that was the second best dunk of that group. No. But Phil, to, to track back to what you were saying a moment ago, that 76-77 season where they stretched the dunk con- contest out the whole year, they had a no. horse competition going that year too. Oh, see, I, <laughs> I, I think I would tune in for that. Yeah. yeah. Especially if, can we mic the players up so we can hear the trash talk? Like that would be fantastic. Yeah, I agree. That's pretty good. So if the Jordan Neek dunk contest was the best, I would like to make an argument that the second best was the 2000 dunk contest. Three main guys in that one, all young, all in the beginnings of their careers. Uh, Vince Carter, Steve Francis, and Tracy McGrady. Vince Carter won. He beat Tracy McGrady. Uh, and this was the one where he did he did the dunk where he held onto the rim with his elbow. Yeah. was one of them. And he did one of these between yeah. the legs one and then reverses. He came from under the backboard at one point and did it. It's where there's like a a YouTube video with it basically cuts it all down to about eight minutes. It is absolutely 100% worth watching that. Also, because Shaq is in the crowd with what I essentially think is almost a full-size camcorder. Like you can put a whole VHS tape into it (laughs) and he's filming it. It was fantastic. (laughs) 
uh, the, Wallace, suit, the suits are I, great. That's my yeah. se- like you're talking about, that's my my second favorite one, just because uh, Vince Carter, like you had never seen anything like yeah. he did in that dunk contest. Yeah. Yeah. Dominique Wilkins will forever be my favorite dunker in any contest. He was robbed in 88 in Chicago. Uh, oh, that, come on. Jordan jumped from the foul line. He, he didn't. He jumped from inside the foul line. I know you're right. He was like twice. a step in. I will. I will fight anybody about this. <laughs> the best dunk, dunk Jordan did in that wasn't the foul line. It was. It was when he came from the baseline. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was on the side, like went. hanging yeah, there. Like, yeah. It, that was. That's great. the most impressive. Yes, most impressive dunk he did in that. Cash is coming for a second one. Don't do the same thing again, man. Oh, if he gets this. Yeah. If he gets this, this is pretty cool. So he's throwing yeah. it up in the air high, letting it bounce, and then trying to go under the rim and go through his legs with it, right? Yeah. How many how many attempts does he get? You know, that wasn't part of the rules Come that on. were available for fans. I think since we've established that this guy's three feet tall, this is impressive no matter what. Oh, oh he's going from the other side. From the other side. Uh-oh. Oh, was was, was Cassius my pick? Uh, yeah. Ah, <laughs> yes. Darn it. <laughs> so I, I guess you could gamble. just keep going till you make it. So you actually, I guess so dunk? that, that looked like a dunk you could have in a game. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, there's part of this is we've been spoiled over the years. They've done this so many times. We've seen so many great things. Like that's an incredibly athletic thing. The young man just did, but you're right. It's, oh yeah. If that's anything higher than 40, I'll be surprised. Although he does like hit his face on the backboard afterward. Oh no. <laughs> I thought he was higher than he was. So with the explosiveness of these athletes, what can bring the dunk contest back is if someone replicates the Jordan dunk from the foul line, but dunks it with both hands, <laughs> that would be oh, fantastic. No, um, in that 2000 dunk contest, Vince Carter did that. No way. With two hands from the foul and line? He was the same thing. He was like a step in from the foul line. He was running up, but he did it with yeah. two hands. It's. I'm telling you, go watch that yeah. Utah video. It was outstanding. Uh, Vince Carter was. Like a couple of years ago, the kid from Orlando did that too. Yeah. I don't remember his name. Yeah. God, he's a, he's an really good dunker but i don't remember he did this that from the, the foul line when you were like 12 years old and you'd watch the dunk contest and like some guy you'd never heard of would win would you assume that that guy was going to be a good player yeah when i was 12 yeah yeah me yeah. too me too <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah kenny kenny walker won like it. Harold the was the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Minor, Minor won it twice <laughs> kenny skywalker baby jordan baby, baby jordan yeah yeah Oh. This guy just put a trace on the couldn't even palm the ball. Oh, that's weird. I didn't know that. Good trivia, Chuck. Glad I had you on tonight. So does this guy get extra points for squeezing into the Tracy McGrady Raptors jersey? <laughs> what just happened? Well, I think that's a dunk that McGrady did in that 2000. I'm telling you, man, that 2000 dunk contest was incredible. But I think that was one that he did. He bounces it and he does like a 360, right? Yeah, that's Good really dunk. cool. And that's way better Touch than... his knees. Did he bring the ball down to his knees too? He didn't bring his ball down very low. still that's pretty good turning away from the rim there yeah that's uh yeah yeah that might be the best dunk so far yeah that was pretty good oh there you go uh mcgrady did it yeah (laughs) yeah he brought it down like way lower yeah yeah because he went almost below his knees yeah wow the highest score so far oh come on Who's in charge here? There is some great stuff. I mean, I did a lot of research on the dunk contest today to get ready for this. There was great stuff about how it was fixed the year that Blake Griffin won it because the NBA was passing out media packets before the dunk contest started that already had Blake Griffin listed as the winner. And there was somebody else in that that year that it's kind of like what you're saying with like Dominique getting robbed. There, there were other guys that year who 
who had some pretty spectacular dunks. And, you know, Blake comes out. I think right. Blake dunked over a car, right? Obi's about to dunk over a seven foot guy. Yes. So, uh, a Kia. Uh, yeah, Kia's are tiny. Seven foot guys are who's big. Who's he dunking over? Who is this guy? No, they yeah. keep switching. Do they just switch someone? Do they just switch them out? No, there's what? What's He's happening? He's going to jump over two guys? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Obadiah in high school looked a lot really fair. Is, oh, that's that his him? dad. No, that's his dad. So his dad was Dunker's Delight in, in like Brooklyn, New York fame. Oh, uh, like, was uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he has been on a fantastic voyage. Uh, no, his, his dad was like a, Coolio. Was it was it like in that and one league? Remember the and one league? He was he was part of the Not it the was something like that. But like no, that. no, 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 no. It was a outdoor court league in New York, but it it was it was televised. I mean, he was he he was Dunker's delight. That was his name. Oh, yeah. It's cool that he's jumping over people, but he's not really, is he? I mean, did he yeah, push he, off. Yeah, yeah. He got a boost. So is that his dad? That is. Was that who the other guy is that he jumped? Maybe over? it might be one of them. I don't. I don't remember his his parents would come to UD games. Can his mom dunk? Oh my! In slow mo, that's pretty good. He's over yeah. that guy. In slow mo, yeah. like his legs over that guy. Like the windmill is always so cool. So Obi would do dunk contest dunks in games last year for the Flyers, which was always as a fan kind of like, oh God, like you don't have to do this right now, right? Like he would do windmill takeoff and on, yeah. on fast breaks when as a fan, you're like, we, we just need a bucket here, like, you know, but he, he would complete them every time. So he's, he gets a 46 for that dunk. So they, he okay, it's him and Sims. All right. Yeah. That, that is yeah. the correct result. Even if yeah, I don't agree right. with all the scores on all those dunks, those two guys <laughs> going to the next round is the, is the right thing. Denko, how many other UD alums have been in the dunk contest? You know, I have to imagine only Jim Paxson. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Paxson was a UD guy. Yeah, Jim Paxson, UD, UD Flyer. Um, I haven't looked this up, but I'm willing to bet that Obi Toppin is the only UD Flyer to partake <laughs> in the dunk contest. I uh, believe Jim Paxson, right. it, I don't know. Did Jim Paxson compete in one in the 80s? I don't, I don't know. I don't believe he did. So, okay, so this is this is going to be it, right? He gets a dunk, and then the other guy gets a dunk. Well, that's what I was going to ask to review the rules. What What's the second round? They each get one dunk? They each get one, and that's going to be it. Spud Webb is falling asleep. <laughs> Spud Webb is falling asleep. Hey, Rightfully you... so. I would rather they bring the rim down to eight feet and have those guys, the judges, compete at this point. <laughs> Can you name the two guys under six feet who won the dunk contest? Spud uh, Webb and, Spud Nate, Webb Robinson. and Nate Robinson. Very yeah. good. That's cool. I don't know if that dunk gets Obi the title. So you get one dunk in this round, and it's winner take all. And that was yeah. his dunk? Come that on. That was Obi. his dunk. Look at, look at Neek. It's just like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. That's all he had. Oh, Spud's laughing at him. So is Jeffrey. Sorry, Obi. I don't know. Well, he basically took off from where Jordan did, but he went between the legs and dunked it. <laughs> yeah, I guess he didn't that, have yeah, to that's run pretty from the cool. other baseline. The, the slow yeah. motion really adds <laughs> adds something to this. Do the yeah. judges rewatch the dunk in slow motion? Oh, I'm that, sure. I'm sure yeah. it's on like the Jumbotron there. Right. Yeah. They're not giving any scores, so we don't know what they think yet. Oh, this is this is gonna be fun. Hey, what franchise has the most dunk contest titles? The Orlando Magic. Wrong. I'm gonna say the Atlanta Hawks. Well done, Chucky. Nice work, Chuck. Well, Neek is a multiple time winner and Spud won once, yeah. right? I yeah. Think. Oh, and then and then what's his um yeah. They won they, they won it. four. I mean, this kid can absolutely jump out of the gym he was he was supposed yeah. to kiss the rim and he got he, he was afraid because that'll knock your teeth out buddy yeah <laughs> yeah he made, he made the right call for <laughs> yeah, the he really long-term did. health of his career 
He's he's a good looking guy. You don't want to ruin that smile in a dunk no. contest. <laughs> but I get it. You remember the one where the guy uh, he he like blew out a cupcake that was up on. Yeah. The- Who was that? <laughs> what movie was it that the guy dunked like put a dollar or left quarters and change on the top of the backboard? Yeah, game. When he was Bonhart's favorite movie. Was it he, he got, got game? Was it he got game? Was it no, he got game? Was, no, no, that's what that's why I'm asking. Life is a basketball quarter. Life. What was the one that Bonhart always loved to watch so much? I don't, oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It wasn't he got game. All right, so what do you guys think before they announce this? Danko, did your boy take it? Uh, I don't know. Those those two dunks in slow motion, they're both they're both okay. Had that guy actually kissed part of the rim or net, I would give it to him hands down. <laughs> but all right, hold on. They just announced it. Oh, oh, it's like Simmons wins three to two. Well done, young man. Now I don't know if this means you're gonna be any good at basketball in the NBA, but <laughs> yeah, maybe, you do have maybe a dunk. Uh, I'm not falling for that the 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 Kenny Skywalker syndrome again. I'm a more sophisticated basketball fan now. Look at that. Yeah, he's up there, man. That, that, the kid can fly. That, that's, yeah, that's yeah. impressive. That's really cool. All right, fellas, thanks for taking a shot at doing this with me and, and live potting a NBA dunk contest. But we are out of dunks. We are out of time. I am out of questions. <laughs> I hope you guys have a great week, and we'll do this again real soon, okay? Sounds good. Right on. All right, later, fellas. So that, this is going to be interesting too, because the, the timing of this, like, where are you in the game right now, Gers? Uh, 327. So you're, wow, I'm actually 10 seconds ahead of you on game time. Where are you at, Chuck? I'm at 321 and the clock is moving. Nice. This is amazing. 17. So I'm, yeah. it figures during different. Brown season, I'm like six plays behind you guys during yeah. the NBA All-Star game. Yeah. 20 <laughs> seconds ahead of you guys. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Uh, that is going to be interesting. Well, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, I think that'll be that'll be part of the fun of it, maybe. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, I have it on in the family room too, and it's even in my own house that feeds are different. I'm I'm uh, back here, farther away from the router. Back here, I am ahead of the actual TV. That's yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Hulu is who knows. Uh, I'm terrible. Other than losing STO, I have no complaints about Hulu. So one of them is Gabriel Arias, who is another one of the shortstops, I think, that came in the... Oh, no, he's not. Arias didn't come in part of the Mets trade, right? It was... Let's start this uh, over. I don't know. No, was there was another... Jimenez? Arias came with um, part of the uh, uh, Clevenger trade. Oh, okay. All right. Let's start that again. Way to prepare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tried to wing it and go off my notes. That's dumb. Stick with the script. <laughs> uh, okay, so <laughs> you guys want to want to live pod the second half of the All Star game? <laughs> Until just right now, I forgot there was a second half of this game. Still, I was like, oh, okay, that, yeah. This is this is good. done, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I got to play a whole other yeah. half here.